and fellow adventurers, welcome to the MinMax Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us, and you do so as we continue the Extinction Curse. As always, we'd like to invite you to come join our Discord, where you can hang out with us and other listeners of the show. And if you'd like to throw a little financial support our way, you can check out our Patreon. And a shout-out to all of those that are big number level and above. Rock Jedi, Wolf, Blardimus Slump, Thunder Mammoth, Elisa Ellie, Das Chris, Fizzgig, Jacob Moriarty, AC Goldner, Dickie Lopez, Carnifex, Alex K, Mordine, Doma El Laca, Dr. Grinis, Forevermore, Frank L, Just Mike Works, Ross D, Treehugger, Darren W, Gold Rhino, Indie Link, and Tawdry Monster. Thank you all so much for your support. And now a recap of Session 86. After a day spent preparing the town defenses for an attack, we head to the local tavern where something of a party is going on, mostly to relieve the tension of the impending doom. That night we all have a dream slash nightmare, which seem to show us dying in specific ways. The next day we do more defense prep. More Zolgaths on dinosaurs are setting up a perimeter around the town. Trevor once again takes us to Estessa, who wants us to go save the Banyan boys because of course. We enter some secret sea caves below the town. Once in the caves, we encounter some fatty oozes. They're super gross and the combat is annoying. From there we sit down to spend some time healing up and looking through the items in this room. I'll clean everybody up and then start searching the room. And I roll a nat 20 for 41. So if you look north into the room where the door is broken down, it looks like it was recently kicked in. Uh, this old laboratory contains a few bare tables, a cot, and an immense cauldron with cold ashes on the stone floor beneath it. The entire room is coated with a thin layer of slippery grease, much like you yourself are covered in a thin layer of slippery grease. That's why you pressed the digitation. Yeah, we're all, we're all clean. Wizard, you find a small knot of copper wire that is magical. Nice. Anything else? And this, the, the room that the actual oozes were in, there are boxes and crates that are here. There is absolutely magic in here as well. I started figuring out all the magic, starting with the item. So the knot of copper, go ahead and give me an arcana check. 46. 46, you've got it right away. It's a talisman called a dazing coil. You affix it to a weapon, and for a free action, if you deal damage to a flat-footed creature with that weapon, that creature must succeed a will save or be stunned one. Stunned two on a critical failure. Is that one of those one-use talisman things? Correct. It is a consumable yeah. item. After one hour, I heal myself exactly one point over what I needed to be back to full. One hour. Nice. One hour. D- healing yourself every ten minutes? Yes. It took six <laughs> of them. In the boxes and then the crates, one of the crates contains a battered grieve that is wrapped in old leather that's reading as magical. And you notice the familiar look of a rune of some kind, but you don't recognize this rune. Looks like an armor rune of some kind. Let's take a look. Yeah, you can also identify this one with an arcana check. A bunch. A 39. So this is a greater resilient rune. And the greater resilient rune grants a plus two item bonus to saving throws. Anybody need that? 
I wouldn't mind throwing it on my breastplate of command, which only currently has a plus one. So that would be good for you. In addition to the two magical items, you find a crate filled with silver vials. There are 30 vials here total, and uh, somebody can give me a lore mercantile check on that. I'm somebody call him up. Just, call Benzie. Benzie just randomly get, get hopped you. in right there. Lore <laughs> <laughs> <Lord> mercantile. <laughs> I know uh, this. Are you guys talking? The silver vials, there are 30 of them, and are worth 15 gold apiece. Finally... The mo- one of the most interesting items, aside from the magic ones, is you see a charm made of platinum depicting a lizard with three tails. What do I know about that? It, it looks like it's depicting Bokrug. I don't know if you'd call it an unholy symbol. It's just a little charm, but it is made entirely out of platinum. And that little charm is worth 520 gold. Nice. Not bad. So as Peach Pie is patching everyone up, a few of you notice that on the crates and the boxes here, as well as things that are just in here and decomposing because it's they're obviously very, very old, they're all labeled Cozern's General Store. The owner of the general store now is not named Cozern for, sh- for certain. Her name is Santil Cafron. Well, weren't these doors, like, locked or something like that before we came through them? They weren't locked. The key was in the padlock. The padlock was undone. The doors were closed. They weren't locked when we got here, but we can... But the Banyan brothers got there. It had been locked for a really long time. Correct. So, yeah, I mean, this stuff's probably been down here decades, maybe. I certainly don't have a society check to try to know who these people are. I don't know if we can make one. Is anyone master in society? No. Well, I guess Wizard might be. Wizard might be. They'd be the only one that has any chance. You said Master? Yeah. I am, yes. So give me a society check, then. You would get your ageless... Take twice as long? Yeah, yeah. you can take your ageless patience uh, bonus on this, no problem. I roll a five, get a 31. This is strange esoteric knowledge at best when it comes to something like this, but you actually make a connection... And you have a sudden recollection of somebody, you don't know who, telling you about Lert Kozern's general store in Willowside, just as an offhanded remark. Now, the reason that comes to mind is because Lert rings a bell. Lert Kozern, you recall seeing in one of the pads of paper in the uh, town hall, when you were looking through records, one of the ones that had all the pages ripped out of them, one of them said something about Lert. I do remember there being something about Lert. I do too. He, he was, wasn't he acting suspicious or something too? You read that somewhere? I don't remember exactly what it said about Lert. That bit that you saw, it said uh, Lert is up to something or something of that nature. But that was the last thing that was written in that particular notepad before sheafs of paper were ripped out of it. Didn't the store get robbed or something? Can we rob the store? That is always technically an option. I'm pretty sure we just did rob the old store that's no longer there. (laughs) I file this information away in potential plot relevant. Relevant things. And move on. I'm going to start heading down these stairs. As Peach Mai makes their way down the stairs, they go pretty deep 
and you can plainly hear the lapping of moving water on rocks below. And you don't feel as though you've traveled very far down, but you have this eminent feeling of crushing. You have this... The world is just over the ceiling, and it's pushing down, and your hearing randomly deadens as though you're underwater. It's sort of crushing down here. Peach Pie, you're not claustrophobic, but you feel as though these might be something, some things that claustrophobic people would feel in a small, dark, cramped space. As if Peach Pie doesn't live under crushing despair at all times. <laughs> <laughs> Do you continue forward? Of course he does. Of course He's home. He does. I mean, we all do, I'd assume. I mean, Moonlight does. Yes. And Peach Pie, as you travel even farther into the caves, that sound of water does get louder. That crushing sensation becomes more prevalent. At the bottom of the staircase, they curve off to the right, and you see this rough-cut stone staircase leads to a hall that's flooded with several inches of water. You continue to step down, and you splash into that water. The smell of seawater is strong here, as is a clammy, ominous pressure that feels like being deep underwater. This hallway has been worked so that its walls are fairly even, and passages lead out to the west and a bit further north and to the east. The closest passage to you is off to the left. Everybody remember that we have reflection of water, which means we can breathe underwater, we have a 10-foot swim speed, and we can cast control water once per day. That's good to remember. I continue on. I look into this opening on the left. Ooh, that big pile of bones to the left looks exciting. Yes, I see the room to the left, to the west. I start to step towards into it. This wide opening leads to a cavern where a foot of water covers the floor. The cave features several elaborate mounds of stone that look too uniform to be natural, yet bear no marks of chisels or carving. The northwest end of this cavern contains the obvious source of the seawater in the caves, a partially flooded tunnel that leads toward the sea. A gory pile of flesh and bones that reeks of decaying fish is piled near the tunnel opening. Weird. Yeah, that doesn't look ominous at all, guys. Yeah, that looks incredibly ominous. There couldn't have been anything that ate those things at all in this room. You think that's the Banyan Boys? I see three human skulls. I'll bet that's the Banyan Boys. Oh, God, that would be so terrible. Well, our job here is done. Yep. <laughs> they died. Yep, turn around. Have a good day, everyone. <laughs> I step into the water that's going all ooh, like it's actually yeah, How water. deep does that water look? That's what I'm wondering. The water is probably around two feet deep. You would consider this difficult terrain at this place, or at this point, as you take a few steps into the water. Would it, even though we have a swim speed? Except we have a swim speed. I mean, you're not swimming, unless you... Moonlight's two foot four. Oh, okay. They're swimming. (laughs) Moonlight would be swimming. I'll give give you that. Moonlight would be swimming, but for everybody else... Although your swim speed is only ten feet. (laughs) Yeah, if Moonlight were striding, it would probably be greater difficult terrain. So yeah, swimming's your best bet for Moonlight. Assuming you get in here. Everybody who steps into the room 
notices that of the five mounds, there are five of them. They're, they're arranged almost like pips on a dice if you're looking at them top down. They're almost too perfect. One in the middle and then four in each corner of this cavern. Peach Pie, you see this crack in one of the mounds open and make this sound. And you look over as the crack opens up and in through the crack you see rows and rows of alien sharp looking teeth. And then the mound goes still once more. I think these are creatures. Shall we avoid them or fight them, do you think? Wizard, can you tell what these are from the information we have? Yeah, I'll give it a shot. Recall knowledge, it would be occultism. Really? I was going to guess nature. Okay. It takes twice as long as normal. Moonlight will think on it also, and do poorly. (laughs) I get a 36. You have heard of things like this. You freeze in place, almost in horror. This thing is something called a Grikatog. It's very earthen aberration. Uh, They're known by a lot of different names, uh, but they are almost viruses or diseases that infect rock, stone, and earth. It's a weird type of virus. You get two pieces of information. What would you like? I I don't understand. So you said that a virus is in rock. I mean, do they have like a physical form? Like, what, what are they exactly, I guess? Are there pictures of them I can see? Like, I feel like I just don't understand what these are. What I suppose like. a, ca- a picture probably would help. So it's a mound of rock with a snore... Th- with oh, the sarlacc pit. Sarlacc pit mouth, yep. <laughs> yeah, yep, it has a sarlacc pit mouth in the picture, at least. So is the creature inside the rock, or is the cre- the rock the creature? You know, that's a really good question that not many scientific people have been able to survive in the presence of one long enough to determine. Okay, give me uh, weaknesses and resistances and the normal shit. For resistance, you get resistance 10, everything. It's, you know, rock. Adamantine might bypass that, though. Is it weak to stone to flesh? I will not answer that question. (laughs) Because instead of fighting a rock with a snarlack mouth, I'd like to fight a pile of flesh with a snarlack <laughs> mouth. Sarlack. No end. No end. <laughs> Resistances. Yeah. Give us a pile of flesh to smash. <laughs> <laughs> no weaknesses. Do you explain this to everybody, I would imagine? Yeah. They are parasites from the plane of Earth. They find their way to the material plane occasionally. They're rare to see. Do I know offhand what languages they speak, or is that would that be another piece of information? Uh, no, you would know offhand. They speak Terran. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I assume they speak Terran, but that's Ted. So is it just one, or they are all like this? Do all five mounds look like this, or just one of the mounds looks like this thing? One of the mounds looks like this. Okay. One particular mound in the northeastern corner, quote, gave itself away by opening up its maw just a little bit. So the whiz, after telling everybody about them, is also going to do something or say something. Um, hey, are you, are you guys, are you guys, the rock, or are you guys inside the rock? I say that's them in Terran. 
Oh, wow, they have two intelligence. So we're probably not going to answer. Oh, so they can't speak anyways. No, 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 no. What do you so mean? Two. Plus two. Plus oh, plus two. two. Okay. Oh, gee, okay. They're smarter than me. Let's have a... No. Let's have a conversation. Wait, they're, they're not smarter than me. I was just let's, have, let's, say. let's have a conversation. They're smarter than parts of this party, though. They, they are smarter than most of this party, though. So, <laughs> uh, two little... They almost look like uh, patches of barnacles on this thing's face. They light up flickery, almost like the eyelids of somebody waking up. And then they shine more steady. And in Terran which just sounds like gravel falling over pieces of itself. It responds to you. I'm both. Like, how, how can you... Can you move to a different rock? Or, like, are you like those, those crabs that move from, like, shell to shell? It almost lifts up a little bit and turns itself and then sets back down. You see it's almost... Like the mound, it is the mound, and it's actually sitting on something that is not as high up out of the water as it looks like for all of the others. And it turns to face the wizard, and it says, I infect the stone around me. Okay. What are you guys doing here? You guys? Is it just you, or are the other mounds more like you? It's just me here. I just blend in very well with the rest of these mounds. You see, I wait for creatures of the ocean to follow the scent of blood at the end of the tunnel before devouring them. I crave flesh constantly. Uh, speaking of that mound, are those like fresh banyan boys? Or are those like... I don't know what a banyan boy is. I don't remember how to describe the Banyan Boys. Are they... fish? No. Are they... human? Yes, they were humans. Mm. Watched humans pass our chamber recently. But no, those are not them. Good to know. Hey, Moonlight, that's not them. The Rock Not Rock said so. Oh, well, that's, that's good. Uh, I guess we should keep going then? No. And it, as Moonlight, like, turns to leave, doesn't understand Moonlight, but it understands body language. No, no, you are not allowed to leave. Moonlight doesn't have flesh. I mean, trees do actually have flesh. It's just a different kind of flesh. I suppose. That's true. That's a fair point. That's a fair point. You must stay. You've entered into a bargain. Now you must reciprocate. What kind of bargain? What do you want? You want my body? Your body? Their bodies? One of their bodies? None of them seem to indicate that they understand me. Choose the one you will like least. And I will take them and leave you go. Okay, this is meta, because Moonlight's thinking it. Jeb could cast that stone to flesh, and he could chow down on some flesh that used to be stone. (laughs) That's true. That's true. Peach Pie and Jebediah give me a perception check. 21. 40. Jeb, the mound in the southwest corner of the room is gone. 
We defeated one. Hey, Peach Pie Jeb, you guys might want to get back, like, out of the room. The mound in the southwest, huh? Is gone. I'll at least get out of the water. Jeb takes a few steps back out of the water. No, you are not allowed to leave. Elf, provide your side of the bargain, or I will devour all of you. I never I never made that bargain. Guys, I never promised them one of you. <laughs> I wouldn't do that. No bargain no bargain was made. We don't know what it's saying anyways, so I'm just just saying, if any of you by chance know Terran <laughs> understood the conversation. <laughs> I made no bargain. No bargain was made. It's very confusing as the wizards saying, I didn't do anything. I need everybody to give me initiative as the creature lifts itself up and then smashes down into the pile that it's standing on with a loud thwomp, a splash of water. I feel like if we just walk away, it's not going to be able to do anything. Well, we're sure about to find out. At the very top of round one, it uses all three of its actions to slam down into the earth beneath it. The splash of water cascades out and hits the walls and gets Peach Pie a little wet. As soon as it does, it seems to fuse with the ground beneath it, and you can see on the walls of the cavern all around you, even out in the hallway, wizard, and behind you there... Hundreds of mouths open up all across the stone surface, followed by large blinking eyes that open through eyelids as well. The entire hallway is teeth and eyes. Fucking cool. I like it. This is a cool monster. Which takes us right over to Moonlight. It is your turn. So, like, can I target the mouths, or do I have to target the creature itself, or...? Great question. You're not sure the answer to that. Well then, um, it has eyes nearby. I guess I attempt to intimidating glare at them. (laughs) (laughs) I absolutely love it. Okay, yeah, go ahead. Uh, 38. (laughs) It's a success. (laughs) Can I be intimidated one? Or not intimidated, but Frightened uh, frightened one? Yeah, it, the the eyes on your side of the wall actually wince away from you. <laughs> the mouths grimace and growl. Okay, and then... Uh, looks like, I mean, at least in Fantasy Grounds, I can see this thing from where I'm at. So I'd like to cast Phantasmal Killer on it. Okay, at the core, not at the walls? At the core, yeah. At the core, okay. It gets a 35 versus your Phantasmal Killer. That is a success, so it'll only take 4d6 mental. So that's 18 damage. The stone core quivers in front of you and some little pebbles shake off of it. And that's my turn. Wizard, it's your turn. Mm. The wizard will... I have a good line of sight on it, right? From where you are, yeah. It is a huge creature. If I fire a ranged attack... Am I going to have cover and shit that I have to deal with? Lesser cover. Less, lesser cover. Because of Peach Pie. Or if I disintegrated it. 37 to hit. A 37 will hit. Okay, a uh, fortitude save. It gets a 41. Damn. Fuck, that was close to 
critical success. That is a high 42 save, which... It's a rock. That makes sense. <laughs> would 42 have been a critical success? Uh, it would have, actually. So the Frightened prevented the critical success. Whoa. <laughs> Moonlight staring at a wall angrily. Pays off. Uh, I roll 56 on my 12d10, but because it succeeded on the fortitude save, it's only going to take 27 damage. 28 damage. Uh, third action, I am going to... So the teeth and the eyes, are they like on all of the walls around me? Or like if I move, start moving to the north, are they up there still? If you look to your north, you see them infesting the walls all the way to the end of the tunnel down in this cave. Even off to the room that veers to the right, this infestation aura that it has is massive. Uh, third action, I step further away from the wall I'm right next to, so I'm not within five feet of any walls. Well, then after the wizard, we get over to Peach Pie. It's your turn. Well, all right, I guess. Here goes nothing. I'll rage, and I'll move up, and I'll hit it. Aww. I get a 30 to hit. A 30 does not hit. That's the end of my turn. Then after Peach Pie, that mound from the southwest side of the room pops up out of the water behind Peach Pie and winds itself up to implant its core into the ground as well, like the previous one. Uses all of its actions to do that, but there are two of them now. One on either side of Peach Pie. That takes us over to Jebediah. It's your turn. So when we heard weaknesses, we just heard Adamante. It's resistant to all damage except for from an adamantine source. Would we say this is a human-sized stone object? It is huge in size. Human-sized? No, it's huge. Not human-sized? Not (laughs) human-sized. Much bigger than a human. What a bummer. Is this stone to flesh that you're looking at? (laughs) Yes, sir. I'll tell you what. It's not going to have the effect that the spell effect says that it's going to have, but it won't do nothing. Well, I'm going to take the scroll out, and then I'm going to activate my fast healing. And question, is Turtle with you? No, I don't want to Oh, you don't? You don't want her to be down here with all the shit? She's playing with the fat. (laughs) (laughs) Up at the top of the stairs. She's never been one to dungeon dive, so... That's true. I think she's very likely has not come with us when I go underground, so... All right. Well, then after Jeb removes the scroll from his pack and casts his Reflection of Life, we're going to go up to the top of round two where the first Grikatog, to implant its core, did what it needed to do. Its jaws that are on the core, right next to where Peach Pie is, and actually reaches out to bite at Peach Pie and gets a 36 to hit. That'll hit. All right, Peach Pie, you are going to take 34 points of piercing damage. Upon striking a creature with its jaws, the Grikatog can extend its barbed teeth immobilizing the creature unless it succeeds a reflex save. I get a 27. That is a failure. It actually reaches out, grabs Peach Pie, and immobilizes him. And Peach Pie, this creature is now chomping on you, and it's feeding on your flesh. You now have 3d8 persistent bleed damage. 
and the Grekatog feeds upon you. Lovely. That's its first action. It uses its second action to attack Moonlight from the walls and gets a 41 to hit. Uh, yeah, that's a critical hit. The Moonlight, you are going to take 60 points of piercing damage. That hurt. And just like with Peach Pie, you are also going to get grabbed with the maw that bit you from the wall. You need a reflex save. I get a 27. All right, then it also pins Moonlight to the wall. Moonlight is also immobilized and taking 3d8 persistent bleed damage while they're immobilized. And then for its third action, it's going to do the same thing, but this time against Jebediah. It gets a 22 to hit Jebediah. That's a miss. That's a miss. That's all three of its actions. That takes us over to Moonlight. You're immobilized. Uh, So immobilized. It's a DC 5 to cast any spells, right? If you're immobilized by something holding you in place and an external force would move you out of your space, the force must succeed a check against the DC of the effect holding you in place, but otherwise it doesn't say that you are prevented from doing anything except for any action with the move trait. So you can cast spells like normal and all of that. You're just pinned to the wall while this thing is chewing on you. Another question is... The entity part of the walls, like, can I attack the walls that attack it, or is it only these two mounds that we're attacking? Nobody has tried to attack the walls yet, so there's no answer to that currently. Are there mouths and eyes, like, under the water on that crown, too? Oh, like, yeah, Or is absolutely. it just the walls? So there's mouths underneath our feet, also? Every surface, yep. Moonlight, if you look down, you see mouths and eyes beneath you as well. But even moving would not really help me. Like, I mean, it would stop the 3d8 for now, but uh, I'll start off by glaring at Grikatog 2, I guess. Uh, net 20 for a 46. Ooh, critical success on the intimidation or the demoralize there. I don't know how it flees, but it flees for a round. <laughs> okay. Alright, we'll cover that when it's its turn. <laughs> and then I guess I am going to cast Phantasmal Killer at this one. Number two, or the one you've been beating on? Number two, because, I mean, with the negative two, I'm hoping it might fail my save. Well, it gets a natural one, (laughs) so it it, it fails your save. Well, it's going to take 21d6 mental damage. Good, good. Fun critical failure there. Uh, 69 damage. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Or adults. I guess if it wasn't already fleeing for one round, it would be fleeing for one round again. I mean, this is a little meta, but is it higher level than we are? Yeah. Okay, then it's going to save on the fortitude save. Because it critically failed, it had the chance to die, but it's got the incapacitation effect, so... Oh, so it can't just die. It can't just die. It got got it. But that actually makes it frightened four with the critical failure. Well, that guy's not looking too hot. In the middle of its about to implant its core, it stops. Moonlight, you're going to take some bleed damage as you did all of that while being eaten. You take 23 points of bleed damage. Oh, Moonlight's not looking good, guys. (laughs) But you succeeded? I got a 16 on this check, though. Okay. You are still immobilized, but no longer bleeding. However, I will rule that if it 
bites succeeds at a bite against you once more, you'll make the reflex save as before, and if you fail, then you take the deep persistent damage again. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense to me. That's going to take us over to the wizard. It's your turn. Yeah, I don't like this fight so far. With the eyes everywhere. Do I, do I? I don't... I mean, with my knowledge check, I don't know what kind of senses these guys have. Do I? Like, do they? Are, is it purely off vision? Do they have other senses? That- the creatures themselves have dark vision. This thing called manifold vision, which uh, basically is look at all of the eyes everywhere. It can see through all of them. And it also has an imprecise tremor sense of about 30 feet. From where? <laughs> when it's uh, when the core is not implanted, it's 30 feet of its immediate vicinity. When the core is implanted, it's the entire aura. Jesus. And what does imprecise give it? It has to make a, a seek check to find something that's invisible, right? You are hidden, so it knows where you are, but there's a yes. 50% mischance. Oh, okay. That sounds right. Okay. Unless you're actively trying to sneak or something like that. Well, no, because the tremor... Well, maybe against tremor it's sense still sneak would still work. sense. Another question before I take my turn. Um, <laughs> how does being immobilized by these tentacles or being held or whatever the fuck it's doing, how would that interact with any magic that teleports people? Does the magic have the move trait? No. I mean, the traits would be conjuration and teleportation. The only thing that immobilize stops you from doing is the move trait. This has a you know a DC to escape, but that is an obvious means of escape. I would rule it as well escape. Yeah, and I, I thought about that too, like a collective transposition or something like that. Problem is, is if it's got miles within 120 feet, then anywhere we went it would still be able to attack us. But I decided against. I decided against it. Do you care that you're being grappled or held right now? Immobilized? I mean, I'm no longer bleeding, so I don't think there's a big difference to me at the moment. Like I said, I mean, anywhere I go, unless it's a long ways away, it's going to be able to attack me again and possibly add that same effect to me. True. Does Jeb have his axe out? Does he look like he's ready to be in melee? He has a scroll in his hand. And also my axe. It's I can switch it to one-handed. Okay. Uh, okay, now I'm going to start my turn then. Um, I'm going to start by quick and casting my fourth level invisibility. And then second and third actions will be to cast Collective Transposition. And both Peach Pie and Jeb will disappear in a puff of smoke and reappear in spots right next to Grittertog 2, the one that we're going to hopefully focus fire. And I'm hoping that frees Peach Pie from being immobilized. Okay, real quick, you're going to put them next to Grikatog 2, because you've already done damage to Grikatog 1, about 46 damage to Grikatog 1. Yeah, but Grikatog 2 has all the debuffs on him right now, and is going to be fleeing in a second. I want to make sure I get them both in a spot. They're going to get attacks of opportunity. When it flees, they're going to be able to fuck it up on their turns. So you want to move them into, like, flanking? Uh, I want to put them into flanking, but I don't have the range to put them into flanking. What? It's a 30 foot range, don't you? Yeah, Isn't it? And 35 feet would be like I'd, I'd love to I'd love to put them into flanking, but I I can't see flanking positions that are within my range. Oh yeah, it does say it has to be in your line of sight. Okay, that's fair. 
So get them adjacent. Uh, so really, yeah, Jeb's just going to move 10 feet to the west. Peach Pie will move 5 feet to the south and no longer be immobilized. Sweet. And that's my turn. Which is going to end Peach Pie's immobilize and the bleed condition. Excellent. Before it gets to his turn. And just to clarify something here, Wizard, you are the your collective transposition, which is different than moonlights as they disappear in a puff of smoke. Colorful smoke. Just like my cloak. Yes. <laughs> I love that. That's such a drastic difference between the two of your flavor on that. That's fantastic. <laughs> well, then after the wizard, Peach Pie, you found yourself next to a very frightened Grikatog. I'm not sure how you know that, but you feel it. it no, you, it's about to flee. Well, I'll use my first action to get into flanking. And uh, then we'll make a couple of attacks. So for some clarification here, for those of you at home, that's a minus four because of the uh, frightened four condition and then an additional minus two to its AC from flat-footed. This is going to be nasty. I get a 31 to hit. A 31, because of all those negatives, is a hit. Excellent. We'll deal it. 25 damage. Attack number two. That one's going to be another hit at 38. A 38 is also a hit. 31 damage. That's my turn. All right, then after Peach Pie lays into this one, it is now its turn, and it's fleeing for at least one round, and it burrows into the earth straight below it. It just disappears, just glides right into the earth. That's still moving out of a threatened area, though, right? It technically is. Attack of opportunity if you got him. I have a scroll. Do you think I could still tu- dual wield my weapon? I mean, oh, absolutely not. Okay, no. I just... Oh, absolutely not? No. You'd have to use it at one-handed. Is your weapon able to... I know, but I'm just saying, it's just a scroll. I can still grip things, like wrap the scroll around it and still two hands. It, it's an action to grip your weapon. Okay, yeah. So you could attack with it one-handed if you, if that's possible. Yeah, I'm just going to do... Yeah, 3d8. I'm just... Yeah, I can still do that. Cool. Um, should be also flanking. Oh, yeah, so... It's still not going to be enough. 30 doesn't hit it. 31 is its AC with all the minuses. Peach Pie will take his swing and miss. Well, it uses its first action to dive, dive, dive. And you don't see where it goes from there. Jebediah, it's your turn. And there's st- is there a bunch of, like, mouths under me, right? Or next to me still? Oh, yeah, there's mouths on every surface. Yeah, those are coming from the Krikatog 1 at the moment, I believe. I attempt to swing. Does I, I target it? Do you I, do you want me to roll against it, or nothing happens? If you use an action to swing at the miles on the floor and or wall, you'll just clink off the wall. Doesn't actually do any damage. Okay. Then I will cast a heal spell on Moonlight. Level six for sixty-eight. Damn. And with scroll still in hand, I end my turn. Then, after Jebediah, we're up to the top of round three now. Grikatog 1's turn. It's going to use its first attack against Moonlight. Comes the crit, boys. Yeah, 48 to hit. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. So, Moonlight will take 59 points of damage. Yep, that hurts. Why don't you go ahead and give me a reflex save? 38. 38 is a success. 
You are not further immobilized, but you're not going to get the bleed damage on this. Okay. That's its first action. Its second action is going to be to attack Peach Pie with a mouth in the floor, floor mouth over the Peach Foot. 35 to hit. That will hit. Peach Pie, you're going to take 28 points of piercing damage and give me a reflex save. 30. That is a failure. Peach Pie, you're immobilized, and this thing is chewing on your feet. You also have the persistent bleed damage. Finally, with its third action, it's going to attack Jebediah. Get a 22 to hit. Miss! That takes us over to Moonlight. It's your turn. Still immobilized, but not bleeding. Yeah, this thing's pretty terrifying still. Gonna cast Phantasmal Killer on him. Alright, well on the will save it gets a 30. Uh, that's a regular failure. That'll be, this is a level 6. It's gonna be 12d6 damage for 38. Okay, 38 damage. And he is frightened too. Okay. And third action, a cast shield, in case it maybe helps him. <laughs> Technically, it doesn't hurt. <laughs> uh, can't hurt. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Then after Moonlight, we go over to the invisible wizard. It's your turn. Uh, the wizard is going to have to move into the room because he can't see the Grikatog that's still in the room. So he's just going to, you know, ope past uh, Moonlight. Excuse me, Moonlight. <laughs> Letting Moonlight know I left my safe little spot there if he gets free ever. And then I'm a magic missile, the Grikatog. Uh, level 3 magic missile, so two bolts per action. For a total of 18 damage. And all of that goes through. Actually rolled really well. Those were really good D- D4 rolls. Well, then after the wizard, we're going to get over to Peach Pie. Peach Pie, you are currently immobilized, and you have the bleed condition. Mm-hmm. I will attempt to break free with an athletics check. I'll get a 33 to do so. That will fail. We'll try again. At minus five here. I'm aware. I'll fail. Uh, with my third action, I turn on my rain cloud. Growls angrily because he can't actually do anything. Moans sadly, but same idea. Peach Pie, you take 15 points of bleed damage as you're currently getting mawed on. I roll a 19 to overcome it, though. That'll end the persistent bleed effect. Well, then after Peach Pie... The other one spends three actions coming back? Hmm. That's the question. Truly, truly, that's the question. The second Grigatog who fleed, it would be his turn after this, but he doesn't reappear. Jebediah, it's your turn. Uh, I don't think I can really just be healed that because I need to do damage. I mean, try your stone to flesh thing. I attempt to cast Stone to Flesh on Grikatog 1, but there is no save, so I don't know. There's no save to Stone to Flesh? Nope. Manipulating the fundamental particles of matter, I convert Stone to Flesh and Blood. I restore a petrified creature to normal state or transform a stone object into a mass of inert flesh without Stone's hardness in roughly the same ship. The spell says a human-sized stone object, and Grikatog doesn't have anything written in here, but I like the idea, so here's what we're going to do. So, as Jeb lays his hand on the Grikatog, that core, that lump of rock with all the teeth inside of it, it turns this fleshy, rough 
and it's calloused, almost like a rock would be, but it is certainly flesh. It undulates a little bit. Does it, like, unimplant it or whatever that thing was? Does it start feasting on itself? It does. <laughs> it does not unimplant it, but what it is going to do is it's going to give it a weakness to slashing, and it loses its resistance. So, yeah. It's now weak to slashing damage, and it no longer gives any sort of resistances for other types of damage. It is as vulnerable as it can be. I will say it will release... It will release Moonlight and Peach Pie, just out of sheer shock of being turned into this flesh creature. Well done, Jeb. You released your allies and created a weakness. Hey, thanks for letting me use the spell. Yeah. With that, it is... Now, Grikatog 1's turn. It is in a situation that it's never found itself in before, and it's a little horrified. It pulls its core out of the ground that it's in. It strides away, kind of glides through, and strides away from Jebediah. Should be able to make an attack, yeah? Attack of opportunity, go ahead. I roll a 3, you get a 26. I'm not used to holding in one hand, it's unwieldy. <laughs> With its second action, it's going to glide further all the way west into the rock face, and it bumps right into the wall. Although a lump of flesh with a mouth and a few eyes is difficult, it's an aberration, it's difficult to gather emotion from, but it almost jolts itself in surprise, uses its third action to slam into the wall again and ends its turn adjacent to the cave wall. It's almost like it's trying to use its Earth Glide ability, but just can't when it's a mound of flesh. Moonlight, it's your turn. You know, fuck it, we'll give this a try. Um, Reach spell on telekinetic projectile to throw something sharp at it to try to do some slashing damage. Alright then. Because not sure what else to do, it's a long ways away. 34 to hit. 34 misses. Uh, it's probably a bad choice, because that AC is ridiculous. That's my turn. Then after Moonlight Wizard, it's your turn. Uh, the Wiz will drop a fourth level Sudden Bolt on the Grikatog. It gets a 37 on its reflex save. It will take half of 6012. Uh, I rolled 41, so it takes 20. And third action... I smoke my pipe while I'm invisible. No one can see that you wasted that third action. Just between you and me. Peach Pie. Sudden charge. Attack. Get a 30 40 hit and miss. Attack number two. Get a 40 hit and hit. <laughs> yeah. Damage. 35 of it. Then after Peach Pie, it's Jebediah's turn. And this is all one foot of water or it gets deeper? It's a difficult terrain. Yeah, it's just difficult terrain. I'd have to move up to here. And then sudden charge. Or is sudden charge a, fl- a flourish or whatever it is? Open, but I think the open trait only applies for like things with the attack trait. You double check. Oh, here. Okay. Yeah, it just has to be your first attack. Stop trying to stop me from being able to use sudden charge all the time. It just <laughs> works. It, it just always works. just works. Yeah, no, Jeb, that totally works. You can move once and then sudden charge, no issue. 36. That hits because he's frightened. Nice. 17 slashing damage. 
which, because it's now weak to slashing damage, going to deal an additional 10. And that's all I got. That's going to take us back up to it. It is terrified. It can't glide through the walls like it wanted to. It uses all of its actions to scramble away over the pile of bones in front of the opening that leads into here from the sea. But of course that means... I'm taking mine first. <laughs> I get a 37 to hit. 37 hits. I deal it. Death damage. Ah. <laughs> I want to dual wield them in two hand again. It's three days. Depressing. I also <laughs> rolled really bad on well, that does kill the fleshy mound outright. And as it dies, its body slowly turns back to stone and crumbles into gravel. Does the other one come back or is it gone? Nope, it ran away. They have an HP threshold for running the fuck away. You hit that one pretty quick. Not to mention the flea condition kind of put it right on the cusp. So it decided to play it safe because, you know, it's not a stupid monster. Moonlight still doesn't want to be alone over here, so they're going to swim over by you guys. <laughs> yeah, do we want to take time to, like, slowly take the ten minutes and heal up again, or should I cast spells? Or? I search the room while they heal up. Yeah, let's check to see if that's the Banyans, and I'll, uh, I'll do some medicine checks on Moonlight. Go ahead and give me a nature check, wizard, on this pile of bones. 39. This pile here... Looks like uh, the the piles of bones of sea creatures that the Grecotogs in the cave have eaten, and they leave the refuse in a neat pile by the tunnel to draw in additional scavengers. You see things such as crabs, fish, but also that the remains that are here are really kind of just gnawed apart with these things' alien mouths. You don't, however, see anything that would indicate that there are any human remains here. There are absolutely no human remains in this pile. Okay. I spend 30 minutes to heal Moonlight up to not very many wounds. So while you're all in here, well, just I'm assuming just kind of in the water, hanging out here together, nothing impedes your time. Then if everybody's okay with it, I'm going to take at least like 20 more minutes to heal myself a little bit. Thanks, Peach Pie and Jeb for the heals. Of course, Moonlight. So 30 minutes on Moonlight, 20 minutes on myself, 50 minutes total healing. I thoroughly searched the place during that 50 minutes. You don't really find anything of interest at all. I mean, the Grickatog's body is interesting, but at the end of the day, it just now seems to be a pile of rocks and teeth. You can tell the tunnel that is beyond that pile of bones and remains there goes all the way to the ocean. You can hear it. It's pretty plain. So that could have been a possible ex- another entrance or exit. Correct. Well, I guess it's time to move on. And just want to say, battle medicine is the greatest thing any D twenty system, any TTRPG <laughs> has ever made. <laughs> battle medicine or treat wounds? Or treat wounds. Meant treat oh, wounds. God, yeah. Like, oh, we can we can take an hour to heal up instead of fucking after all. Better go rest for the night. <laughs> or buy 20 fucking low-level cure wands. Yeah, wands of cure, cure wounds. Depending on when you play to go rest in town for an entire fucking week. Yeah. That was a thing way back when, too. Oh, what's that? You heal four hit points a day? But what if you use your surge action? 
<laughs> fucking four. <laughs> Since we're out of initiative now, moving on. Yeah, if you get back out of the hallway or back into the hallway area, everybody give me a perception check. Moonlight gets a 39. With a 39 moonlight on the opposite wall, uh, as you walk out of the cavern where the Grikatogs were, you see an arrow drawn in chalk, small, pointing back towards where you entered. Looks like the chalk mark is very recent. I wonder if the Banyan boys were trying to mark their way out. Perhaps they're not as dumb as they look. I continue forwards toward the north until I see what looks to be an opening to my east. That is correct. The hallway kind of ends further north, but this uh, opening to the east leads into a room. It slopes slightly upward in this area, so so half of the chamber has only a few shallow puddles on the floor, rather than being entirely submerged. The floor has an elegant grooved pattern that resembles a stylized carving of a stout lizard with a long curling tail and a beard of tentacles. Hooks stud the walls with old overcoats of rotted leather hanging from them, and stone benches line the edges of the room. Moonlight keeps an eye out for more chalk marks, like pointing... Which might give us an idea of which direction they went. All right. The Banyans might have gone. Peach Pie will slowly walk forward east into this room with all the lizards on the floor, which looks really cool on the map. Peach Pie, perhaps we should see if we know what these are first before we go too far. Peach Pie looks down at his feet with his big clown shoes stepping on one of these designs. Oh, you're probably right. And slowly steps back off of it. As Peach Pie steps back from the room, Jeb, you actually look more toward the back. You didn't enter the room first. You look off north where the tunnel looks like it ends. You you actually see a seam in the wall. There might be a door, a secret door, hidden. Hidden secret doors that the DM told me about without a perception. That seems suspicious. I did it secretly. And guess what, Jeb? (laughs) You rolled a 19. Well done. Woo! (laughs) Can't hit, but I can roll. When I do it. Huzzah! I tell people... Peach, by you look up from the floor as you kind of get another look about the room. Those overcoats hanging that are aligning the edges of the room, you take a second look... They're not all overcoats. On the eastern wall, there are five humanoid shapes that are standing straight, heels against the bottom of the wall. They're standing with their backs against the wall, five of them in a row. They definitely look like humans, or they were humans. Hello? 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 Did they do anything? <laughs> no, no, they don't. Well, would you like to cast spells at them before I charge in? Hey, guys, there's a door back here. There's undead over here. It sounds like a great time to not go through that way, then. All right. And I go over to Jeb. You're able to easily open that door. It's a small, cramped hallway. Only goes about maybe 15, 20 feet before leading out into another large pass. 
Beach Pie will slowly squeeze his way through it. Beach Pie, you exit and look to your right, and you see the room that had the undead in it. You can see the floor patterns. They're very distinct. This passage bypassed that entire room. Where you are now, the cavern splits off into three paths. The eastern and northern paths lead upward, and the western path descends into deeper water. The middle passage is completely blocked by rubble. All right, up or down? Three choices. West and down deeper into water, or east higher out of the water. I go west. I'll send down for a swim. Do I see any chalk marks? If you look around near the passage that's blocked, you do actually find a small arrow. It's marked in chalk on the wall of the center passage, pointing back toward the exit. It's actually pointing towards the secret tunnel that you just came out of. Well, that doesn't really help which direction, other than maybe that meant they went up. One thing you can tell from that chalk mark is that there's a thin coat of dust over it. It's the same chalk mark that you saw earlier, and the chalk mark's really recent, but that dust over it means whatever caused it. Which means the cave collapsed afterwards. Bingo. Is that completely blocked? It is. You're not sure how long it would take for you to remove the the rubble that you can't see to the other side. We can't see to the other side at all. Of the rubble? No. So is the wizard indicating he's going into the water? Yeah, I thought we were going for a swim. We already went for a swim. But I suppose we could go for another one. Into the water! Bitches. Splish, splash. This flooded cave has a long counter carved into the wall with several shallow alcoves stand along the north wall, one of which holds a wooden door crusted with mold. Bright light emanates through narrow cracks in that door, but there's also a passage that continues north. It would lead us past the caved-in section of that path, it looks like. If you head north through the water here, yes. I'm going to head north. Or do we want to go over to the door? There's moving. There's a source of light behind that door. It's bright. You can tell. And it's moving from within. There seems to be several sources of it. Bright lights? Oh, yeah. Real bright lights. Okay. To the door. I checked the door for traps or anything dangerous. 39 with a nat 20. The door is molding and almost coming apart, but it it is still closed. Behind the door, there are three distinct sources of light, and you hear some pretty otherworldly sounds coming from the other side, sprinkled with the occasional high-pitched giggle. Can I look through any of the cracks to see what I see? Yeah, with a nat 20, I'd allow it. The lights inside are blinding. After you take a moment to let your eyes adjust, you see three of these things in that room. Oh my. Okay, those look amazing. The Wiz wants to be friends. That looks like like an alien body, a naked alien body with like a horrifying face with huge glowing lights behind its eyes and mouth and a lot of white hair. 
these three creatures in here are distracted by some sort of cave art on the walls. It's really difficult to see. The light is too bright to actually have it show you much for detail. I turn to the party. There's some very strange-looking creatures in there. I want to take a look. The whiz goes up and does a... I want to do a knowledge check on them before we open the door, if that's cool. Go ahead and give me a perception check first. No, I don't see shit. Peach Bat, you're going to have to open the door. I can't I can't see him. <laughs> I open the door. Boom. I tried. And as soon as Peach Pie opens the door, all three of the creatures turn to face the party, and the light is searing. But I need everybody to give me initiative. Monsters abound in this cool sea cave dungeon. What are these light monster thingies? Are we going to find the Banyan Boys? Will they be alive or dead or something else? Find out next time as we continue the Extinction Curse. And until then, may you have many great adventures of your own. It's your turn.